Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi, welcome to the show. This is Fazia Costi, and today we're having another episode of the Parenting Pulse with Dr. Sarah Bald. So, welcome, Dr. Bald. Thanks for having me yet again. And we have a special guest today, Briar, who is Dr. Bald's little baby, and she is just about as cute as they can be. So welcome, Briar. And uh, hopefully she'll be agreeable for the next hour um, as we talk about social issues that children experience during and after COVID. So this is a really, I think, relevant topic right now because as kids are trying to navigate their way through the educational system and online learning and, you know, in-person learning, all these different issues, um, I think are affecting their social circle. They're affecting their social skills. Um, so, and I, and I know that this is an area that you've spoken on before. So Dr. Ball, tell, tell me a little bit about what your thoughts are on uh, the current situation with um, social issues kids are experiencing during and, and maybe even before COVID, C- comparatively before COVID, comparing it to now. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think there's been a change in this. I mean, there definitely has been a change in the social structure. Um, we're starting to see research come out of what this ha- is going to do for our kids. We're starting to see Um, research come out about the developmental patterns, but I think today we talk about life stages, talk about what kids are starting to learn at each phase of their life, what they Mm -hmm. should be achieving as far as developmental milestones and where disruptions might've happened. And then what parents can do to help make sure their kids are get back on track. Well, let's start with um, life stages. Let's start with that. Um, what are the different life stages that kids go through from, you know, let's start with kindergarten all the way through high school. What are some of the life stages that they're, they're challenged with? Absolutely. So it, it depends on your school of thought for sure. Um, but for example, in preschool, kids are learning initiative versus guilt. So they're learning to explore their environment. They're starting to gain their purpose in life. Um, Kids in this stage, if they have difficulties, if they have some adverse childhood experiences, COVID being one of them, um, during this stage, they can have a failure that can lead to overwhelming feelings, guilt about things. These are your kids who apologize for everything, who self-blame during this stage. It's because they they had to deal with an adverse childhood experience during that three to three to five-year-old life stage. Mm -hmm. Um, So even when things aren't their fault. These are your ones who are apologizing. Mm -hmm. Then we get into the school age kids here, six to 11 year olds. These are industry versus inferiority. So this is when your kids really start to feel competent. Hey, I'm really good at this. This is something I can achieve. This is something I like to do and something that makes me feel like I've been successful. Um, Yeah. And that's a good feeling. It is a good feeling. Yeah. That's a really good feeling. And we as parents want them to feel it for themselves, but a lot of times, good job, Timmy. You did a great job today. Right. (laughs) We we feed into that to some degree as well. Um, 
But during this time, kids have this need to win approval from others by demonstrating competencies. Absolutely. We've all seen that. The kid who's like, mommy, look what I drew today. Right. I need X, Y, and Z for you. Or I got an A on my test, you know, or I I learned a different skill and I now can multiply or divide or. Let me tell you this random fact that I heard today that I think is so cool. That that was my kids when they were little, they'd come home and just rattle off things. And my head felt like it was spinning because they were coming at me from different directions and different topics. And, but it was so much fun to watch them develop that competency. And it was really so much fun to watch them be excited about learning. Yeah. So what's the next step, the next stage? So the next stage is your, your adolescence. These are identity versus role confusion. I mean, we all know those teenagers who are, who am I? Everyone has it together, but I don't have it together. I've had a stream of, of them in my office this week. Right. Um, I don't know who I am. I don't know my identity. Everyone else knows. Everyone else has it going on, but I don't have it going on. Well, at least that's their assumption that everyone else knows. Right. You know, I I have kids that tell me all the time, everyone else seems to know what they're doing and where they're going with their life. But, but then there's me and I'm like, I'm going to tell you the secret of life. Everyone has something to deal with and everyone deals with it on their own. So you don't see it, but if you know that everyone deals with something, then you can feel like you're normal. Absolutely. And And some people are really good at faking it. So it seems like they have everything together. (laughs) Especially on social media. Well, exactly. Exactly. I think social media does kind of portray everyone's life as at its best. And we all know that life is just a lovely roller coaster that, you know, we have good days and bad days and some people have bad years. I had a bad year. (laughs) So, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, you go up and down the roller coaster, but sometimes when you're down at the bottom, you need a little bit more momentum to get back up. Um, but it's definitely an interesting, um, an interesting place to be for teenagers because they don't have a point of reference. They, they really don't have a point of reference for when life was better or when life was easier or when life was different. So it's definitely Absolutely. interesting. And they're, yeah. they're in that role where they're seeking out who they are. Yeah. The hard thing is they do this through social relationships. They do this through their friends, not through families, right? (laughs) Their families are going to tell them who they are. They do it through social relationships by engaging with other teenagers. So they're learning fidelity. They're learning who they are. They're learning what they want to roll, what, what role they want to have as they grow. And as they age all during this phase, anywhere from 12 to 18 years old. Yeah. Those are some tough years. I mean, I, I was telling, um, I think it was a student of mine who's in middle school. I said, because he was just having such a hard time. I said, you could not pay me enough money to go back to middle school. Like you, especially now, like in this day and age, I said, what you're going through is really tough. And especially with COVID, especially with all the challenges that they're dealing with, it's just, it's, it's a lot. And it's, it's truly a lot to navigate. And then when you add in the social aspect and the social complexity that's happening right now. It's just, it's almost unbearable for some kids. Absolutely. And for some kids, it really, really is unbearable. I mean, if, and if they're getting pressured into being a certain person, if they're being pressured into a certain identity, that's not what they're developing. It's going to result in some rebellion too. 
mm-hmm. rebellion against parents, rebellion against friends, rebellion against, you know, the man, whoever that might be. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how that ties life stages tie, tie into the developmental patterns. Cause I think that's an area that we can talk about a little bit more. Absolutely. Um, tell me more about developmental patterns. Sorry, you broke up. Say that again. So tell me more about what you are thinking as developmental patterns. Well, I think at different ages, every child, um, has particular development and milestones and, um, they develop at different rates. Do those I mean, those things matter, you know, if a child's more mature than another, you know, sibling or a friend, those things matter. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And it's going to shape how their environment responds to them, which then shapes them even further. I mean, you think about, and in some families, we have an identified patient who takes up the attention of the entire family and that shapes the other children. Um, right. It shapes their experience, how people treat them versus how they treat the other siblings. Um, that environment individual relationship is really important for identity development. Right. So let's talk a little bit more about identity development. How has COVID impacted that? Or, how, or from your perspective, how do you feel COVID has impacted children's identity development because they're not in school every day, or at least they weren't for a while. They weren't in the classroom. They weren't with their peers or when they are with their peers, they're wearing a mask. How do you think that impacts development or identity development? I think we're going to see a big research boom, probably in about five to 10 years of what exactly is happening. Um, When I think about those developmental stages that we've been taught you know, your teens, especially they're in that identity versus role confusion phase. We can talk about early development and the impacts that research is already coming out on, but for these teenagers, they really rely on the social relationships. So Mm -hmm. a lot of my kids really liked the online school that they didn't have to go out and engage with other people. So then they weren't getting those relationships to figure out who they are. So it's a lot harder to identify who you are and figure out your identity when you don't have that ongoing discussion mm-hmm. with peers, um, peers oh, who are very different than you. Absolutely. I, I think it's important to see yourself in comparison to others and teens need that. It's absolutely important yeah. for their development. The other difficulty is we created echo chambers during COVID. So we were all online. So you could easily turn off a viewpoint you didn't like. Oh, you absolutely. easily, you know, find yourself in a, a hole of only seeing news you agreed with, only discussing with people you agreed with, because you could just silence your family member who thought differently than you. You could just unfollow <laughs> an, a colleague that you had 20 years ago who was posting something you didn't like. And so we created echo chambers and became much stronger in our views Um, That is true. In and out groups got a lot stronger. Mm -hmm. We see this big polarization, this big shift in the country. And I think a big part of that is that we 
only surrounded ourselves with people with the same views as us. Cause it wasn't like the water cooler discussions where you had to get along with everybody at work, no matter what they believed. Well, you know, I, I think one of the things that I saw that really bothered me is that people had a hard time having discussions. <clears throat> people had a hard time having <clears throat> discussions that maybe they would have been fine with five or 10 years ago. Um, you know, having a conversation with somebody who had a different perspective than you was fine years ago. All of a sudden, it became so much more important that you agreed with the people that were in your life because it wasn't just individuals that were polarizing. It was the politicians. It was the schools. It was like so many things were keeping, were driving a wedge between us. And I think, it, you know, it's really hard as adults to keep that um, perspective on, on, on something like that. I can't imagine how hard it must be for a child or a teen who hasn't fully developed their, their identity, who hasn't really fully developed really. I mean, there's, their brain is still developing. Their bodies are still developing. Yeah. How could they possibly deal their with such complex aren't issues until they're 30? Yeah. So they're going to have, yeah. you know, they're, that's their playing organization. That's their problem solving. That's their, you know, some of their integration comes from that. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's talk a little bit about how those developmental patterns have changed because of COVID, how, um, you know, social issues that kids are experiencing today versus maybe things they, they've never experienced before in history. How do you think that's changed? Oh gosh, it's so hard to say, cause we're not going to know the impacts of this mm-hmm. for a while. Um, we can talk about other countries who have been through similar things, who have seen other things and go down that rabbit hole if we want to. Um, but I, I don't think we're going to fully know the full impact of what this is going to do for that identity development for this, for this generation of kids until they're adults. Um, there's, there is the idea that kids are plastic, which sounds like they're hard and <laughs> unshapable. I've never understood why it's called plasticity. Um, the brain is plastic, which means it's very flexible and fixes itself. Um, yeah. so I think kids are still adaptable and we're going to find out how adaptable they really are. Um, I agree. I, I think they are very adaptable and I, and I think that they're going through a really challenging time right now, but it's going to be interesting to see how they come out at the other end. You know, I, I, I really believe that when, when trauma hits, I think people either, they, they either break or they shatter, but when they break, they're easily put back together. Kind of like a vase, you know, when a vase falls, it breaks into three pieces, you can glue it back together and it looks great. But if it shatters, it's a little harder to put it back together. It takes a lot more effort, a lot more patience, a lot more time. And I think that's the part, that's the part where we need to look at these kids and say, well, did they did they shatter or did they just, you know, did this break something during COVID and can we put how fast or how easily can we put this back together? Yeah. How fast or how easily can we, you know, create a solution for this problem? Right. What I like now and, and the good news about now and why this, you know, happening in today's age is that we still have social media. We still have technology, so we could still do classes online. We could still see our peers, A lot of the kids are playing video games with each other anyways when it's not a period of COVID. So you're still getting some social interactions. 
come. How do you feel about that? Like when my students tell me that the only social interactions they have is on Discord and Discord is where kids get together and play video games. For those of you who are not aware of what Discord is, you have to wonder how much real social interaction do they have if they're playing video games on Discord? I mean, you're missing a lot of the nonverbal interaction. You're missing a lot of those nonverbal cues, reading people, understanding people for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're still getting, when I think about like COVID, you're still getting interaction, which you might not, if we didn't have technology, we'd all be locked inside of our houses and not talking to anybody. Um, So it, it allowed for us to maintain some social interaction, but you're definitely losing all of the nonverbal exposure Mm -hmm. they had before and reading facial expressions on sarcasm and subcontext. And And those are the things that I worry about. Like facial expressions is what I worry about with the younger kids, because Mm -hmm. when they're wearing masks, I mean, that's a lot of what they rely on. I mean, if, if they're going to be doing something mischievous, they're looking at your face as the adult, as the (laughs) parent to see how are you going to react? Yeah. You know, how far can I go? How much can I get away with? And, and I think those cues are not there anymore. At least they haven't been for the last couple of years. And if you're three years old or four years old, that's, you know, the majority of your life. Yeah. The um, American Academy of Pediatric Neuropsychology on their Facebook posted an article from BBC the other day that talks about how pediatricians are starting to see delays in understanding facial expressions and some of that pragmatic language and poor articulation as well um, in the younger kids who might have only been exposed to mass or exposed to mass during that critical period of development for language or for social interaction. Um, Like right now I've got, I've got a six month old now. And so I know that she is reading my lips to help her learn how to talk right now. Like her eyes have shifted. She's not looking at me in the eyes anymore. She's looking at my mouth because that's how kids learn how to talk. Right. That's her next stage. Right. So, you know, at home, totally okay. Cause we're not in our houses wearing masks around our kids. Um, but when we talk, think about interacting with other people, there's a big chunk of the world that or a part of life that is missing where these kids weren't able to watch other people's mouths than their parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it also impairs their sensory, beca- their sensory, because they can't put in their, their fingers into their mouths if they're out and about <laughs> so wearing a mask. You know, I mean, that's an important part of being a child. You, you know, they have to explore their faces and their mouths. And, and that's why you see all these kindergartners with mouths or the, with masks and they're just filthy because their hands are all over their faces. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just uh, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting phenomenon that we're dealing with right now. And I I agree with you. I think it's going to be probably close to a decade, if if not longer, before we know the true effects of what's happening. Mm -hmm. But I hope hope kids are as resilient as we think they are. Um, So any other life stages or developmental patterns that you'd like to chat about before we move on to the next topic? That's a good question. I could talk, I, I could probably talk for hours. Um, but what, it's like, what would everyone find beneficial? Cause I can listen to myself talk all day long. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, let's talk about, you know, what are, let's, let's just really define life stages. Let's really define developmental patterns. And then we can talk about milestones. Okay. Um, like I said earlier, it, it depends on your, your school of thought of those developmental stages. Um, every, every early childhood psychologist from back in the day has different stages of development. So we think of Freud, right? The oral, the anal, the, you know, all of the things, all of the things Freud that we associate with him. Um, you had Piaget who had um, object permanence, for example. So there, all of these are related to different. And let's describe what that is yeah. for parents who don't know. If you're, if you cover your child's face and they're young, like under six months or so, they're going to think you disappeared. Yeah. But if they're a little bit older, they're going to know that something's just obscuring their view and that you're actually still there. It's just something's between the two of you. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's why that's a simple definition. Yep. That's why around nine months old kids all of a sudden start getting stranger danger and separation anxiety, mm-hmm. because when you've left the room, they know you've left the room. So yeah. then they start to really struggle with that. Um, as in a mom, I'm in a bunch of mom face groups now, Facebook groups now. And there was a woman who posted the other day, very concerned because her pediatrician sent like, here's all the things we're going to discuss at our next appointment. And she's like, why are we talking about stranger danger? I promised my child isn't around strangers. It's like, no, they're just finally <laughs> developing stranger danger at this age. Oh. So people are scary. There's, there's people who aren't them. Um, we have unfortunately reached that stage a little early in our house. So walked in, pediatrician walked into our six month appointment and starts screaming her head off. He's like, Oh, that's good. She's going to start walking early. I'm like, don't tell me she's going to start walking. <laughs> I don't want to hear this. Um, that's, a, that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, so let's but, talk some more about yeah. some other life stages. We've got things like object permanence we've got theory of mind theory of mind is the idea that others have different experiences that others have different perspectives than us that my world might look different than your worlds (laughs) um so in this stage this is really important for things like autism spectrum for example of i understand that my experience is different than other people's experiences well, I'll what, do fun at what tasks. age at what age do they start having this so we can we start to some of the tests that I give start to measure it around three but it continues to develop until they're seven eight nine twelve it changes yeah. the other thing about our field is that it's constantly morphing because we're learning more and more like and it does d- depend on the child, doesn't it I mean everyone yeah. slightly develops at a different rate some people Absolutely. are just asynchronous and Some kids develop in areas faster. Others develop in different areas faster. And so comparing yourself and comparing your kid to other of your friends, kids, not a good idea because, you know, they might be ahead in one area, but your kids ahead in a different area. 
Right. And it does um, not mean they're not going to be successful if they're a little bit behind their peers. It really doesn't. Trust me. I know my kids were both preemies. <laughs> <laughs> um, but our understanding of the infant brain is getting so much better as science advances. So things that we didn't think infants could do early on, we're starting to realize, no, they have that more than we thought. Like even object permanence, mm-hmm. we're starting to realize that they have it a lot earlier than we used yeah. to think. Um, there's this idea called the Flynn effect where we're getting smarter and smarter as a society over time. Um, I think some of that is true. And with child development, I think we're just starting to understand kids. Well, that's what I was wondering. Are we really getting smarter or are we just getting better at research? Potentially. Are we getting better at research or is Google at our fingertips? Or, yeah. I mean, there's so many factors that you could really think about that that could play a role in that, that (laughs) are we getting smarter or is it that we're getting better at, you know, noticing you know, certain things or, you know, what, what is it that's really changing? Well, and science is shifting so much too, because for example, Piaget, early development, early childhood, his research sample was his kids. All right. of his ideas were <laughs> based on that. his, I forget, two or three children that he yeah. had. And it's like, I'm going to understand all these life stages just based on my own two children. And then I'm going to publish articles about it. And it's still used today. Well, you know, it's great if you assume that all children were like his, but his children were unique because he was a smart man. Mm -hmm. So you assume his children were relatively smart as well. So it's really not a good sample. It's not a good sample, but it's still used. And surprisingly, it holds true to some degree. Yeah. Um, uh, with variability. And so we are like, for example, he's got like the concrete operational, formal operational, all of these different stages that aren't terribly fascinating. Um, <laughs> but what his idea of, for example, um, pre-operational where he, this is around two years old, kids start to understand symbolic thinking we're realizing kids can do that a lot sooner than we thought. So they're mm-hmm. appropriate life stages. They're just not consistent. Yeah. They're earlier than we thought they were. Wow. They, kids have these skills sooner than we thought. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. Um, and then we'll be back after these messages. And if you'd like to get in touch with Dr. Sarah Bald, Um, you can do that. And Sarah, would you like to give them your contact information, please? Yeah, I've got a, a, my email and everything's on my website, nestpsychaz.com. Yeah. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, that's, um, executive function coach, az.com. And you can register for the, uh, I'm sorry, subscribe to the magazine, executive function magazine. You can also listen to our podcast or you can go to our YouTube channel And don't forget, we have our summit coming up June 6th through 10th. So if you'd like to uh, participate and listen to those wonderful interviews, you can do that as well. We'll be back after these messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Fawzi Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Fawzi works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back. Thank you for uh, listening to Parenting Pulse with Fazia Costi and Dr. Sarah Bald. Welcome back, Sarah. Uh, So thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, let's continue our conversation, I should say on social issues and how kids are experiencing these social issues during and after COVID or even before as a comparison to what they're dealing with now. So we did talk quite a bit about developmental patterns, life stages. Let's talk about some milestones. What are the most important milestones that children must reach in order to have a successful life? And how is that impacted by COVID? You know, let's talk about pre-COVID versus during COVID and then now and and what you're noticing. And we can talk about the different age groups too. Let's start with the little ones. Let's start with the young ones. What are you seeing pre-COVID versus during COVID versus now? Oh, gosh. I mean, when we talk about developmental milestones we need to hit, that's so broad. There are so many different avenues. We can talk about physical development. We can talk about social emotional development. We can talk about a wide range. Um, well, let's let's talk. Let's break it down a little bit. Um, let's break it down a little bit. Let, let's let's talk about let's talk about the physical and then the you know psychological milestones. Let's, you know because they they all kind of connect, don't they? They do. Yeah. Um, so. What are you seeing with, with the younger kids? Like, let's talk elementary school and younger. You know, elementary school and younger, we've got a, a wide group of kids who were exposed to their families who were not in public as much. Um, what I, I mean, what I see in my own practice is I see the kids who don't know how to be in a classroom, who don't know, who are struggling more with socializing with peers, for example. Um, whose academics are falling behind just because that's what my practice pulls for. Um, so for example, I've been a lot more cautious diagnosing and, and looking at learning disabilities right now, just because I know that kids haven't had that exposure. So we have to think about what's been the educational impact um, of the last two years. And for the most part, this most recent school year, we got it figured out. Most kids were still back. We're back in school. The year before that, things were 
a bit better. Um, teachers that had the summer to figure out online learning, figure out how to expose kids to the material. Um, and then the year before that, they got three quarters. And then the, the last quarter after spring break was just a free-for-all. Um, kids are having to, to readjust into being in a classroom to sitting and listening for six hours during a school day. Um, instead of doing a Zoom call in the mornings, a lot of kids that I work with haven't gone back to school. They've looked at online options that are available here locally or, or national options so that they can stay online because they just figured out that their brains do better or maybe emotionally they're more comfortable. I, I do know some kids were really struggling with online, um, at least for, from the clients that I see, from the students mm-hmm. that I see. I, I had one in particular. I remember when he started online learning, he um, he wasn't he, he didn't have a setup for his work. He had all his gaming stuff on the same desk that he did his homework. So as soon as his teacher stopped talking, he started gaming. Mm-hmm. And we looked at his grades and he's failing everything. Mm-hmm. But yet he's confused. He's like, I'm showing up to class. I'm doing everything they asked me to do. (laughs) And when we look at the grades, we realize he wasn't doing any of the homework assigned. Mm. He didn't even know that he had to go online to look for homework. He assumed once the teacher was done talking, he was done with the whole class experience. Because when he was in the classroom, that was his experience. You stay in the classroom when the teacher's done talking, the class is over. Mm -hmm. Whereas the (laughs) online class, they wanted him to be more independent. So he didn't have the skill set to do that work on his own. So his mom would come home and find him laying on the couch, watching TV or playing games because in his mind, he was done. Right. Cause that's how school worked before then. Yeah. He was so happy. He was, he was feeling so successful until he, he saw his grades. And then he was like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm, I'm showing yeah. up. I'm doing the work they're asking me to do. And yet I'm still failing. I said, you know, kiddo, you, they're asking you to be more independent. They're giving you more homework. So you have to check this every single day mm-hmm. and do the things that they're asking you to do. So he did, but then he didn't turn them in. He didn't turn his homework in, or he might, mm-hmm. he might do his homework, but it would just sit there on his computer. Yeah. So there's a lot of skill sets, I think, that go with being an online learner. Mm-hmm. And not every kid has those skills. And I think Absolutely COVID, not. Yeah, COVID really brought that out. It, it helps. I think it helped parents get an insight into what their child's individual strengths and weaknesses are. And I think it, it taught us a lot about how our kids learn um, individually how they learn. Cause we talk about how, you know, milestones are great. And we, we use developmental milestones to track this kind of where you should be at this age, but it's all that individual. And I think that was one of the benefits or one of the good things that came out of COVID is we got more individual understanding of our each child's own unique needs, um, what they were successful in, what, what helped, what didn't help for their learning and for everyday life. So what about the older kids? What are you seeing there? Let's talk middle school. That's a, that's a tough couple of years. Oh yeah. I mean, heck personally, I would argue if you got to miss middle school, you were super lucky. I wouldn't go back there in a minute. You, you could not pay me enough to go. Oh, back. Gosh, no. 
Yeah, no. That was not a fun. Yeah, that was not a couple. (laughs) That was not fun. It was not a fun couple of years. Oh, Uh, do I think there's any research or any founding in what I just said? Absolutely not. But like, I would have paid a million bucks to not go to middle school. So I think those. (laughs) But I mean, if you think about developmental stages, absolutely, they need the socialization. They need to understand who they are. So they might be missing a little bit of that. where I see a big struggle is with my high school students. Um, gosh, my heart will forever break for those 2020 grads who didn't get to walk for senior year, didn't get to go to senior year prom. Um, yeah, I had quite a few high school students that year too. And they were just confused. Like they didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't even know if they were going to graduate. Mm-hmm. You know, how how uncertain is your future if you don't even know you're going to graduate from high school? Right. I had a few friends who I met in my graduate program who were just graduating in 2020 and I was nervous for them um, because we were all online and we were getting hours and we weren't supposed to practice online. Um, So our field saw a huge radical shift in telemedicine um, because that was, I remember sitting in my ethics class in grad school of like, don't do telemedicine because this is what's going to happen. Um, I won't say here because then I'll give people ideas. Um, but it was always, <laughs> oh, you will not do telemedicine. And here we are. There's quite a few psychologists who are still full telemedicine right now. Um, yeah. So I think there were, there were radical changes that came with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So what are some other things that you think, let's talk about it from the parent's perspective. Do you think, are there anything, are there things that parents should look for to maybe help their child who has some social challenges due to COVID or to this COVID experience? I think based on your own comfort level, making sure they're getting their needs met now. Um, so signing them up for summer camps, signing them up for, you know, making sure they're busy this summer. So maybe you've got a kid who's got an articulation issue now because of masks. Um, so we're going to do an articulation summer camp. There's a lot of places that are doing them right now. Um, we're going to do spend a lot of time talking, listening to people talk. We're going to spend less time on video games and watching television and more of that interaction. Um, We're going to get out and go to the park. We're going to go to the splash pad. We're going to, you know, go out and be this year. Um, I really like, there's this product called Tabletop Conversations that I've just fallen in love with. Um, it's this box of cards. I'm trying, I'm going to grab mine really fast. So okay. It sound a little funny, but it's not that anyone can see it. You can see it. Um, I can. It's great. It's a box of cards. I, um, I have the family edition and I have a, a kid edition that you can throw in a child's backpack. I'll grab those two. Um, but practicing these social skills at the family table. So mm-hmm. grab on a card and you can even do this. You can make your own. You don't have to go out and buy some product. Actually, I have but, those you know, same cards, I think in a box. I use them with some of my students sometimes. Yeah. I bought them for the office and they're still in my kitchen counter. So, you know, <laughs> see, would you value a coveted toy or your vacation with your family more? The other day, my husband, <laughs> I pulled one out for my husband because 
he questions my sanity sometimes when I buy things like this. <laughs> and we had a great discussion. I asked him, would you rather be the best player on the worst team or the worst player on the best team? And me being me, I was like, oh, best player on the worst team because then I'm the awesome one. And he's like, well, but then you could go to the Super Bowl, get a Super Bowl ring just sitting on the bench and don't have to worry about getting injured if you're the worst player on the team. And you're still making like $700,000 a year. I'm like, good point. I didn't think about it. But see, you get to engage in all of these discussions. (laughs) Well, I I think it's fun to engage in conversations like that because they get you thinking about things. And it's not just about that particular moment or that particular question. It's the fact that they get you thinking about life and you're thinking more critically than maybe you would otherwise. Absolutely. And, and you're getting to hear someone else's perspective on what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and people are going to answer those questions differently based on where they are in their development, where they are mm-hmm. in their education or life in general. Yeah. I've got a lot of kids right now too, who are dealing with some feelings of social awkwardness. And that's part of me is like, well, yeah, that's part of your life stage that you're in. So of course right. you're feeling awkward, um, but they haven't had to practice. So it might be they're a little bit older and feeling that awkwardness than they did before. So I've got these little like kids pack to go. It's just like classic conversation starters where kids, if they're not sure what they can say to someone, you know, um, what would you choose to come out of the school fountain instead of water classic like okay. i remember answering H- hang on can you can you say that again you were you were breaking up what was oh that yeah question? sorry it was what would you choose to come out of the drinking fountains in school instead of water and i think some i remember getting have their preferences as well <laughs> margaritas yeah <laughs> um but i you know i remember being asked that as a high schooler, I feel like it was my teachers and it was one of those like icebreaker getting to know you mm-hmm. cheesy questions, but these are just classic things. Kids, if it's like, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to start conversations with people. Just be like, Oh, look, my mom thinks she's funny by putting these in. Ha ha. Look how stupid this card is. I'm going to pull one out. And now I can ask a question and not feel silly about it. But it also sparks creativity. Like you mm-hmm. think about it and you're like, wow, there's options. Like something else other than water could come out of the water fountain. Right. <clears throat> Although mm-hmm. during COVID, nobody used water fountains, but <laughs> you know, right. But, yeah. But I, I, I think it sparks creativity because, you know, you're doing something that's very different and mm-hmm. could very, very well strike a, a new conversation or a new idea or just anything. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, something that kids haven't gotten to practice in the last year or so. Right. So this allows them the ability to practice and, and getting out there and practicing that is going to be really important. There's, I know there's a lot of places running social skills groups. There's a lot of places doing speech therapy over the summer so that kids can help get caught up on some of the things that they, they may have missed during our, our lockdown. What are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen that you think kids would benefit the most working on those things this summer? What are some of the, the most critical skills that you think are needed for kids in general? I think the social skills are the big ones. Mm-hmm. So things like how to read nonverbal cues, um, how to disagree with someone, how to make your point known. Um, 
maybe advocate for yourself advocate for yourself absolutely yeah i have a lot of kids that just really don't know how to advocate for themselves they just sit there and go what do you want me to do and they they don't understand that it's okay to say no <laughs> right right uh, also like understanding facial expressions so this is happy. This is sad. This is what this means. You know, if someone doesn't want to talk to you, this is what they're going to do to let you know. This is how you let someone know that you don't aren't interested in talking to them. How to initiate conversations, how to start a new conversation with someone. What's an expected mm-hmm. behavior? What's an unexpected behavior? What's what's acceptable? What's not acceptable? Um, how to listen a, with your whole body, things like that. I think one of the most important things at least from my perspective, is kids learning how to maybe ask their friends to go do something with them. You know, like they want to go see a movie, but they don't ask because, gee, I don't know if, you know, Johnny will go to the movies with me because he's so much more interesting than I am or, right, you know, whatever their thoughts behind it is. And it's just fascinating to me. Um. So I think those are the skills that we need to have kids practice over the summer. Yeah. There's a 60 minutes episode. Gosh, a few months ago, I want to say that was on teenage depression and how it's on the rise. And there's a lot of teens right now who are suffering with depression, with social anxiety, with suicidal ideation. Um, And the best treatment for depression is paradoxical. All the things you don't want to do, that's what's really good for you. So you don't want to get out of bed, you got to get out of bed. You don't want to go for a walk, you got to go for a walk. You don't want to see your friends, you'd rather just lay there and scroll your phone. You got to get out and go with, you know, go with your friends. Go see your friends, yeah. Yep. So challenging your teen to reach out at least once a week and go do something with their friends whether it be riding bikes, whether it be going to the park, whether it be going to a movie, you know, based on your family's comfort level and, and um, what's available where you are, making sure that they're going out and being social because teenagers are social creatures and they're made to be social creatures. Well, I think human beings in general are social. I mean, yes. younger kids tend to want to be closer to their parents, but it does not mean that they, they don't want that social interaction they still need their friends to go play cars with or play dolls with or um or for the younger teenager you know to learn about fashion you know what what do i look good in what do i not look good in you know am i a hat kind of person (laughs) or how do i argue with my friends how do i disagree with my friends Mm -hmm. and still keep them well yeah i mean right now i'm dealing with a lot of uh you know, social issues like that, where, you know, there's just complete breakdowns in social groups and nobody knows how to interact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's not on discord, it's foreign, the foreign concept. Yeah. They really don't understand. And it's almost like they need um, a mediator. And I don't know if they have this on discord. I know I had um, game night for a while where I invited kids to come in and I had a moderator, but that's not real life. You don't have a moderator in real life. You have to be able to interact with the people that you're talking to and mm-hmm. negotiate with them so that you still get your needs met and they get their needs met. Yeah. Yeah. And how to do that eloquently, proficiently, whatever descriptive word you want to put in there, but yeah. how, how to navigate that in a way that works for you. 
um, and sets you up for future successes. And if it doesn't work for you, how do you learn from that situation? And I think for some of our kids who have like ADHD or they're on the spectrum, to not be impulsive, to actually rein that in a little bit and and think things through and and really slow things down a little bit so that you're not doing things you're going to regret tomorrow or the next day. And when you have that that failure because you have a brain-based disability, how do you come back from that failure? How do you rectify um, whatever mistake you made secondary to what you're going through? Um, Cause that's my big talk with kids when I, you know, when I do a, an evaluation and I'm teaching them how their brain works, my, my take home message is you can't use this as a crutch. You can't use it. This as an excuse. So <laughs> my joke is always the cops. It's not going to take that. You were driving 101 down the 101 because you have ADHD and you weren't paying attention. Um, so how do you follow through with the consequences of your mistakes or your behaviors, both good and bad, because there's good consequences and there's bad consequences. So how are we going to face this? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important to know how you are. You know, if you're an impulsive person, then you have to put yourself in a situation where maybe you're not going to react to things so strongly. So, um, you know, I, I think we've got, we've talked quite a bit about developmental patterns, life stages, milestones. Is there anything else that we feel that you feel actually um, would be a good topic to talk about um, regarding social issues and that kids are experiencing right now and, and what maybe parents can do to help support them? I think... What I'm seeing the most in my practice right now, and I, I forget if we've talked about this in the past, I'm sure we have, because it's my latest soap soapbox. Um, what I have experienced is a lot of misinformation about mental health right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so my big thing right now is the TikTok diagnosis, is our kids are learning about diagnoses through influencers on social media um, that really aren't accurate. Even some of the, I joke that I have TikTok so I can relate to my teens, but I addicted as they are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am. It's true. All the parents were like, they're on TikTok for this many hours. And I'm like, yes, that's terrible. <laughs> I can tell you why it's because it's crack. Um, but <laughs> you know, I'll get ads because target marketing I'll get ads for ADHD medications on my TikTok. And so it's some company that's selling you on telemedicine where they can diagnose you remotely with ADHD. Mm -hmm. And the facts they're spewing on this 15 second, 30 second, one minute ad is so wrong. It's like that, that is not a symptom of ADHD. Like what's that? Everybody's has that. Um, I had to call a few of my friends earlier in the week, a few of my psychologist friends to make sure I wasn't crazy because I had a whole string of teenagers come into me like, Sarah, I'm hearing voices in my head. I'm like, okay, tell me about these voices. What, what's going on? What are you hearing? Um, is, is someone, is it someone else's voice? Is it scary? Like, are they telling you to do things you don't want to do? Are they like, are they belittling? Like what's happening? And every one of them. No, it, it's my voice. But then like, 
there's like a good voice and a bad voice, but it's mine. And so like, oh, I should do this. No, no, I should do this. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I, I think we all have that. So I was gone to be my sick friends. I was like, we all have inner voices, right? And like, we talk to <laughs> ourselves in our head and we can argue with ourselves in our, like, that's normal, right? <laughs> Everyone's like, yes, Sarah, that, that is normal. <laughs> because it's a new thing of that, this internal dialogue or talking to yourself as you're walking around the house, all of a sudden, this is not an okay thing. It's like, nope, that that's totally normal. We all do that. Totally. Oh yeah. No, we all do that. I, I, I remember when my daughter was in, I think she was in kindergarten. My older one was in second grade. My younger one was in kindergarten and we had a friend over. My daughter's friend was over and I asked them, I was asking them what they wanted for dinner. And my younger one says to her friend, ignore my mom. She talks to herself all the time. (laughs) And I said, that is a true statement. However, right now I'm talking to both of you. (laughs) I need to know what you want to know, what you want for dinner. Well, and little kids too talk to themselves out loud a lot more because they don't have that inner voice yet. So they have to do it out loud. Then as they (laughs) age, as they develop, then they can start having the internal voice. Um, But all of a sudden it's, we're getting all these messages and teens are getting these messages that they are X, Y, and Z because of very normal things that all of us experience. Yeah. So I, I had a teen bring me a list of traits that they have that are diagnosable and here's the DSM category and here's oh my goodness what it matches <laughs> and I'm like none of these are DSM criteria like maybe in the DSM three that I but this wasn't it hasn't been around for TR, a while. five or five TR so <laughs> this is not a something I've seen but there's so much misinformation that they're getting online about what is typical and what is atypical. So making sure you're having those conversations with your kids about who they are. Um, My big thing lately has been the diagnosis doesn't necessarily matter if you think you have one. What matters is who you are. And so, yeah, you have these quirky traits. Let's work with them. Let's make you the best you with those quirky traits. Let's not put it you in a box. Yeah. Let's not try to fit you into a diagnosis because you're going to pay attention to everything. You're going to be hyper aware of everything your experience is. Let's just celebrate you for all of your individual quirks. And so we as a family, instead of making it seem like it's weird that you do X, Y, and Z, we're going to celebrate whatever quirky trait you have right now. And it's just, this is, yeah, that's what makes you, you. I love that. (laughs) So thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate you being on the show today. And um, once again, um, if you want to give out your information, if anyone wants to get a hold of Dr. Sarah Bald, they can go to Nest. Nestpsychaz.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can go to executive function coach az.com and you can go to my YouTube channel, subscribe to the executive function magazine, as well as go to podcasts that we've had in the past and listen to those as well. So um, once again, thank you for listening to parenting pulse. Uh, we really appreciate it. We could not do this if it wasn't for you. So um, we look forward to our next time and um, have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.